I use words for every part of the race. So for the start, it's mm-hmm. it's jump, mm-hmm. and then for the uh, underwater kicking, it's attack. And it's kind of funny because I have a mixture between English and Dutch words because <laughs> it's. I don't know. I started it in English and then I uh, adjusted it a little bit and then a Dutch word came into it. So uh, I have a word for every part of the race. And so that's how I uh, visualize the race in the call room. Welcome back to another episode of the Social Kick Podcast. I'm Brian Lundquist, joined by Dr. John Mullen, and we've got world record holder Kira Toussaint. What's up, Kira? Not much, not much. Getting ready for Europeans. Very excited. Ready to rock. Yeah, you're traveling. Yes, we are traveling to Budapest tomorrow. And um, the meet starts on Monday. So uh, kind of a quick turnover um, between traveling and racing. But because of COVID, this was the only way we could do it. And um, But I'm very excited to be racing. And yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I bet. Back to another meet with no fans. Yes, I know, I know. It's it really sucks, but I'm just glad that we can at least have these uh, championships, and um, they will be back hopefully soon. It feels like Budapest is the center of the swimming universe lately. I mean, you spent you spent a lot of time there in the fall. No, no, yeah, for sure. And uh, well, Budapest actually is organizing a lot of events in a lot of different sports right now. Hmm. So um, yeah, it's. It's nice that we can have uh, our championships there because I, I don't think in any other country it would be able to happen right now. Yeah, I wonder if that's the sort of thing, though, that was planned, you know, several years out. And it just so happened that, you know, we've had a lot of events that occurred in Budapest. You know, these things, it seems like they build a calendar four five years out. So it might just yeah, be by chance. Yeah. Well, with ISL, of course, they um, uh, created this opportunity because of the island that we stayed on. Mm-hmm. And I don't, that was a very, very nice setting um, that we could stay there for six weeks. But um, I think it would have been very hard in a different city as well, because you had, where in the world do you have an island in the middle of a city next to a okay. pool where you can just lock a bunch of swimmers on? Like, nowhere. Yeah, not something that small. I don't know. I mean, there's some. I feel like there's good opportunity for some islands in the Caribbean that could host host some meets. Um, that's not too bad. I'm just saying no to that. Yeah. <laughs> who, who, who would? Yeah. Yeah. Not all of them have the best pools, but some do. Like in Trinidad, we were at. They have a great facility. That's not too bad. I did no, go to Baha- I, I did go to Bahamas Nationals once, uh, but trying to do backstroke there before the wedge uh, was a thing. We were taking uh, surf wax and during warm up, and you would know like. It'd be like 40 minutes before you were going to swim because the warm-up session is going to close and you're taking surf wax and putting it all in the touchpad. So you know, that that's illegal, later, right? Yeah. I've heard like uh, at my European junior championships, that's a long time ago, man, but there were some Russians that like put it on their feet and then you would see their, uh, their uh, footprints like stand on the wall. Um, <laughs> and they would walk out of the pool with like or like beforehand they would walk to the pool on like their heels because yeah otherwise they would get stuck <laughs> so that was a wish that was- have you ever have you ever messed with any tricks like that like uh just weird quirky uh either training or racing uh things with a witch you mean 
Yeah, I don't know. Just weird ideas. Like for a while, we we experimented with um, sodium bicarb. Uh, it was basically like baking soda and what that would do to um, offset lactic acid. So you like drink a ton of baking soda and a Gatorade uh, before a race, which is crazy because like you really didn't. You, I, I felt like I cleared lactate in 10 minutes, but then. You, know you should take them in a pill form and not just in. It's gotten in better, Brian, than when you were swimming, man. <laughs> yeah yeah i know oh, but i'm just saying there's that so and then um, like uh like in high school when um they used to have these rules where you could stand in the gutter you could fully stand out of the water to do a start so you didn't have to be in the water at all you're just like standing on the gutter and you could launch off of the gutter uh but yeah i don't know it's always funny to me to hear about people uh and like some of the things they do specific to racing so just curious if you had anything quirky douse yourself in baby oil behind the block let me think but the i i mean i you probably have seen uh with the isl that i like talk to myself before the race yep. it's like somebody made a meme of me like doing and uh that looked like it looks very funny i think before races um but i've been doing that for since i learned it at the university of tennessee um and uh, I'm still using it. Mostly it's in my head, but sometimes I even say out loud, I say jump, 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 jump before my start. And that looks, I guess that looks kind of funny. Is that like House of Pain? Jump, jump. Like <laughs> oh. around, no, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Um, hey, I did want to ask you something about your, your approach to backstroke and... Um, uh top arm breakout because you're doing a couple things there that are different than a lot of people well how do you how did you settle on you know some kicking a little bit on your side and then doing top arm breakout is faster for you so when i uh i came to the university of tennessee in 2015 and uh it was the the season uh, the olympic season and when i got there my my coach the Mets credit mm -hmm. he was like what are you doing when you're swimming backstroke? Like, I don't know. So uh, this is how I learned to swim backstroke back at home. Uh, oh. So um, the Netherlands is uh, originally, we are a sprint freestyle country. Everything mm -hmm. is, everybody does sprint freestyle. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so the way I learned to swim backstroke was in like a freestyle body position. So that was the first thing that he uh, taught me was uh, a backstroke body position for swimming in the water and um I, it took me i learned a complete new backstroke uh there when i moved there it took me about three months to have the feeling like oh okay i'm actually moving somewhere or i'm moving uh i'm actually getting anywhere because if you change your stroke completely it's like you have no clue no uh, or no clue what's going on or what you are doing. And um, so I changed uh, my stroke completely. And then we, uh, same thing with the top arm breakout. That's something that the first three months that I tried it, it was terrible and terribly slow as well. So it's like, every time I was like, is this, are you serious? Is this really, you really think this is better? And he would be like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's faster. Okay. So we like, um, well, kept trying and then after around three months it was like I somehow like it clicked and i understood a little bit more and uh the timing and everything 
So um, it was a very fun process to change my way of swimming completely, but it was also very hard and very scary because you have been doing something for uh, 15 years and then yeah. somebody that you haven't really worked with uh, yet is telling you to do something completely the other way around. Yeah. And um, so I, uh, I put my faith in him. I, I, I love Matt. I'm a big fan of him. I was still uh, want to go back to Tennessee to like um, be able to train with, with them and their pro group. But um, so I put my faith in the way he, uh, he thought about backstroke swimming and swimming uh, underwater swimming. And um, well, I, I guess it worked out. Yeah, yeah I, would, I, 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 I would say so. so. <laughs> I'd say you've no, got yeah. different backstroke figured out. No, I remember. Uh, well, my mom was used to be a backstroker in the past as well, yeah. and uh, I remember calling her and be like, "Oh wow, I learned how to swim backstroke today!" Like, and you have to do this and this and this, and she would be like, "No, that's not how we did it." <laughs> No, but it was a very fun time to um, to be and to be learning the, all the time. Well, you can't trust your mom. She didn't do flip turns in her day. No, she like touched the wall. And she always told me um, when I was a kid, she was uh, under 10 or something. She was my coach. And she was would always tell me like not to look at the wall before your turn with backstroke. Yeah. And then if you watch her Olympic final back in the third turn, she's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's like, I always thought it was very funny. Good old parents trying to give advice. But your mom was, we don't have to dive too far into her, but yeah, she was fast, especially for someone that had couldn't do flip turns. She had some quick times in the 200 back. I'm sure I know. you've heard quite a bit to about that. To be her. <laughs> it was like in 2013 or something, I, I went almost at her her time and i was 17 at the time so i was like oh i'm gonna beat her i'm gonna beat my mom in the two in the back and it didn't happen till 2018 that i finally was quicker than my mom ever been so did you ever think about doing it in the same technology though no same same technology same style bucket turns practice suit you gotta look at the walls no and then she without goggles Oh, that's crazy. No goggles. Without goggles. Even swimming backstroke without goggles is annoying. Oh, you can get but, underwater. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how if other you people don't do underwater, I guess it's Yeah, no one did it, right? Water in your eyes. Yeah. But I want to come back to the um the top arm pullout. So that was cuz I f- I feel like there's a lot of things with swimming that have been this way for a while that they're not necessarily measured objectively whereas and I think that we're getting to a point where there are there's better um, technology with video analysis to be able to just assess you know whether or not certain things are faster you know coming in and out of the wall but yes. was that was that sort of past the eyeball test or do you remember having certain sort of objective uh, you know measurements for assessing whether or not that top run pullout was actually faster for you no because there uh, we nobody else was really doing it it was like the Tennessee breakout because yeah. uh, only swimmers from Tennessee were doing it. So there was not really people to compare it to. And if like, let's say I would do one pull out with, I do the normal way and then one top arm breakout, you always have bias in there. Cause 
I don't know, did you try as hard? Did you, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you cannot really measure that with one individual. You would have to have a very big group of people that are also pretty high level. So I think that's very hard to um, actually measure. It's, I think it's more something that uh, you try out and that you compare with your, with yourself and um, decide if you like it or not. Yeah. I mean, obviously you can do like zero to 15 times and things like that, but yeah, hard to compare it to other people, but obviously Tennessee crew, Matt credits, you guys always doing something different. He's a very creative coach, you yeah. know, from the relay starts to the backstroke pullout, all these different things we've seen very novel things from that university. Yeah, no, for sure. I really, uh, really like that about him. He is always looking for ways to get better teaching, um we also he also tried me to teach me breaststroke for a very short time period (laughs) crazy ideas like teaching breaststroke (laughs) yeah but he was like okay you're after two weeks he was like okay i I think we should stop this project okay (laughs) so when someone asks you why you do your backstroke uh you know why you start with the with the top arm how do you explain it to them? Okay, so if you are doing underwater kicking, uh, that actually uh, people have tested before. That if you do underwater kicking on your side, that you actually uh, can ha- have a higher speed than when you're on your back or on your stomach. And the reason of that is that um, if you're on your side, you have as much pressure from the water from in front of you as behind you. And if you kick on your stomach or on your um, on your back, then the the air above you will always make that you have less pressure from coming from above than below you and uh, that's the reason that you can kick faster on your side and then if you are already on your side then you um the the reason that i'm doing the top arm breakout is because i want to stay on my side as long as i can um and then stay in streamlined position as long as i can so um, that's how it started. Um, well, he started it already before I came to Tennessee, but that's how um, how I learned it. And it's very funny because I actually have seen a lot of people try it, like in warm-ups, uh, try to do a top arm breakout. And um, they usually uh, come to the conclusion that it's actually very slow because if you do the timing the same as if you would do with your normal breakout, then you get stuck under water, under the water. Mm-hmm. So the timing is uh, is it's different. You have to do it uh, later than if, what you would do if you start with a normal pull out in backstroke. So um, yeah, I I think that's if you don't know that, then yeah, you're gonna get stuck underwater. If you're just a regular back kicker, do you think it's faster, or do you think it's purely because you're a side kicker it's faster? I think if you're kicking on your back, I don't think it would make sense to do a top arm breakout because then you would have to, mm. when you're on your back, then you would have to switch to your side to yeah, go back and look. So, you mentioned that timing. Um, you've had some close calls with you know the 15 meter mark. Um, do you, has it, <laughs> has, it been a, has it been a challenge to figure out, you know, uh, when, when, you know, to start that breakout and, um uh, yeah of, yes it has been uh but this is quite a while ago that was my 
Okay, yeah. The last time I went past 15, I think, was in the final of World Championships in the mixed medley relay. That was really bad. I felt terrible about that. But um, the thing is, a lot of people ask me if I count my kicks, but yeah. I don't. I don't count my kicks. Mm. And then somebody would say, like, why not? Because you can do, just do one or two kicks less and then um, you will be fine. But I'm a very much not um, like I, I go on feel. I need to I know exactly uh, where I am in the water. So I don't need to count my kicks. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. something that's like a process that has uh, been going on for years. So, of course, if you make a mistake in your race, sometimes that happens. Um, yeah, sometimes it, it went wrong in the past. I think right now it doesn't really go wrong ever. Um, but I'm going to not. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's one of the things that's hard about uh, being a backstroker. And um, obviously, I think short axis strokes are are impacted by this pretty heavily, too, because people, you know, you're trying to judge the distance to the wall and there's yeah. a heavy penalty for coming up short or really stuffing the wall on, on um, breaststroke or butterfly. So yeah. it's like a few things that especially tapered that if you were going off kick counts, well, your kicks are more propulsive by the time you get there. Yeah. So it, like, it probably makes sense to go off of feel, but yeah. you know, so, I mean, I if understand, have, I understand knowing where you are in the water, but when you're feeling really good, then you're moving a lot faster and it can be hard to judge. So it's tricky. Yeah. But I've been, I think, I don't know. I've, I'm very confident in that. I won't do it again, but mm -hmm. don't uh, <laughs> look, don't pinpoint me on that. Cause, um, yeah, mistakes can always happen. Hey, you got to be aggressive. That's how you get to be a world record holder. Yes. So, well, so I, and and on that front, I want to know. Besides, you know, we spent a lot of time on kicking and, and breakouts, but what what else do you think that you do really well that makes you fast? Um, I think I can learn really quick. So if you tell me to uh, move my, we use underwater cameras quite a lot because we have them in our own pool in Amsterdam, which is very nice. So if you tell me like, oh, your hand needs to be slightly twisted, um, I try it and uh, usually like it comes pretty quick and then um, I can learn that, that kind of stuff pretty quick, I think. And um, I don't know. Um, I think I created some sort of... Um, pre-race routine that always when I do go through that routine I feel race ready when I'm done um because people have asked me like how can you perform on a high level uh, a lot of weeks in a row because that's usually uh, in our sports we have like uh, you go train for half a year then you do a taper and then you do one big meet and then you do the same again mm -hmm. but um first of all I would hate that life because then i would be training all the time and not racing and i'm in this sport because of the racing not of the mm -hmm. not of the training so we uh my coach has the philosophy that doing a lot of races is um a w good way of training because then you get the best um like you know how to, how everything feels on high on the highest speed mm -hmm. and um but then still it's hard to always be on that level and mm -hmm. I remember with the World Cup cluster in uh, 2018, 
I looked at Katinka also, and she was always swimming fast. It's like, Ridiculous. how does she do that? Yeah. So I uh, like I asked my coach, like, how is that? How is that possible? And um, then he said, like, just wait. We are working towards that as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so it has been like a big development over the last three years since I have been with my my current coach. Hmm. Um, I'm just performing on a high level uh, a lot of time, like a lot. Yeah, one thing that you mentioned, like you said, just the behind the block routine, you talked about jump, jump, house of pain lyrics in your head. I'm just kidding with that. But could you talk us through maybe a little bit more about when that process starts? Is it right behind your, right behind the block or is it go all the way back? You know, I'm sure much earlier. The, 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 I'm always at the pool, but like I start my warm up an hour and 10 minutes before my race. Then I do about 15 minutes of um, mobility and flexibility exercises. Mm-hmm. Then I do five minutes of high intensity um, exercises on land, um, with, which would be like core, um, yeah, a lot of different core exercises. Mm-hmm. And I always do that together with our physical therapist. Um, it's like this little routine we developed together. Um, I mean, I can do it by myself. I did with ISL. I did it by myself because he didn't wasn't there with me. Yeah. But I really prefer doing it with him because it's like fun and mm-hmm. um, yeah. Otherwise, I get bored. Yeah. I guess. Routine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he mixes it it up a little bit. Then also, then I'm have been going for twenty minutes. Then. Uh, right after those 20 minutes, I go to swim. I swim at 300, uh, just 50 back, 50 free, always. And then I do, it depends on the event. I do a couple of sprints and then I get out of the water. That was the, that was the warm up. Mm-hmm. And I um, get into my suit. Um, and then about 15 minutes before my race, I do one minute of very high intensity uh exercises on land it's actually always the same um the same exercises that are three different ones and i do some things with uh like reaction time so mm-hmm. some jumps and um yeah it's so hard to explain if you cannot really show what it is but um yeah so after that one minute uh i uh go to the call room and then um i in between i have like swam my race in my head like many times already um that's not necessarily only on the day of the race but also before um or the days before and um so in the call room i do that again and i use words for every part of the race so for the start it's Mm -hmm. it's jump Mm -hmm. and then for the uh underwater kicking it's attack and it's kind of funny because I have a mixture between English and Dutch words because <laughs> it's, I don't know, I started it in English and then I uh, adjusted it a little bit and then a Dutch word came into it. So uh, I have a word for every part of the race. Um, so that's how I uh, visualize the race in the call room. Um, and also the reason that I'm doing that is because if you think about your plan, you have no th- time to think about anything else. So, um, what is my coach always says? Like, if this is your brain, just a little envelope. 
and this part of your brain is thinking about something else, you only have, oh wait, you only have this part left to compete. So if mm -hmm. you have your whole brain to compete, you will be a lot better. So with those words, I keep my focus on my task instead of, oh no, that girl is really fast or who am I next to or that, that kind of stuff. And that's, uh, that's, I think the hardest part about swimming is um, the mental part, like learning how to handle the pressure um, and um, getting lost into your race or into other people. And um, I think that's something I really developed over the last, I, I think it started about five years ago and it, like keep working on that. And it kind of comes together right now, which is very nice timing. That is good timing. Hey, I want to go to, um, you know, this, this summer, uh, obviously, you know, you're coming up into championship racing season, going to Europeans. Um, but you've already been, uh, swimming really fast this season. What, how are, how are you approaching this Europeans meet? Like, you know, as somebody who races a lot and thrives off of, you know, uh, regular racing, getting to dial in all of these things and learning how to kind of adapt to that sort of training and, and racing format. Um, you know, are, are you this kind of person who's expecting to go fast, like really fast at, at every meet nowadays, or you look at this as just a stepping stone before going into I like, see, uh, European championships as a, as a big meet. It's, uh, uh, there are, big growth prizes uh, being handed out there. I've never won an um, individual medal at uh, Lancourt's European Championships. So for me, it's a very important uh, competition and I really want to be really good next week. Yeah. It's not that I see it as, oh, it's just uh, stepping up to the Olympics. No, I think it's still a, a very big tournament. Does that mean full taper? Uh, yes. Nice. Okay. Cool. <laughs> what all you're summoning all the backstrokes and the medley relay? Is that what's on the docket um, for you? Yes, I'm swimming uh, the four by one hundred freestyle relay on Monday. Nice. Uh, in the morning and then at night, you never know. And Tuesday is the fifty back. Tuesday, uh, Wednesday is the fifty back final. Thursday is the um, mixed medley relay and the hundred back. Um, so that's a, a, a rough combination, <laughs> and then there no Friday is the hundred back final. Saturday is the mixed freestyle relay, and Sunday is the medley relay. Relay. All right, and give us a sense of give us a sense of the Dutch team environment. What's uh what's what's life like when you get to meet up with your teammates and uh yeah who's who's cutting it up who's funny who's who's uh super serious? Oh God, um yeah, are they all gonna watch this? That's the question. No, uh, <laughs> no, I well, who do I hate? No, <laughs> no, I have a I have a nice group of people. Um, we we have two different training groups in the Netherlands. Uh, two high performance centers, one in Eindhoven and one in Amsterdam. So I'm in the one in Amsterdam and we have a group of six people training there. And uh, it's, they call me grandma because <laughs> uh, they think with my 26 years, I'm, I'm very old. No. Yeah. But uh, 
that's mostly a joke because they are just in such different phases of their lives. You know, they're going to high school uh, or they are, I don't know, I just bought a house, you know, I'm, I am a fiance. So they all think like I'm grandma. Such a, Make yeah, grandma. <laughs> and um, no, yeah. So yeah, I think we have a very fun group of people. I train with uh, Kenzo Simons a lot and with Jesse Putz. Mm-hmm. And um, they they say that I'm a fake sprinter since I do the 200 back as well. <laughs> and I don't think I'm doing the 200 back, but um, I guess sometimes I have to um, because it's good for my hundreds. Actually, I have a very funny story uh-huh. like after this. Um, uh, okay. so they, um, yeah, so they, yeah, they call me fake sprinter. And um yeah. So world uh, record holder in the 50 back is a fake sprinter. That's what we're fighting yeah. out here. Damn it. <laughs> Live goal to Words be out. in their yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's say you've got a nice retort uh, to that. I'm sorry? <laughs> let's say you've got a nice response to that. Oh, yeah. No, but the funny thing was um, we were on a training camp right before the Europe uh, or the or last Olympic qualification tournament in April. And um, I have like this, well, I, I don't really like the two on the back. Like I, I have to do it in the ISL. I did it uh, many times because yeah. I had to swim for my team. But honestly, I'm not a, a big fan. But my coach thinks it's very good for my 100. So in Eindhoven at the qualification meet, I did the, enter the two on the back as well. And uh, I always make like, sometimes I need like... Um, Ex, how do you say that like a motivation from the outside external mm-hmm. motivation so like i made like little bets with my coach so this time um i he says like oh yeah that qualification time for the 200 back for tokyo um is very fast and i was like okay so what if i if i make it what can i do so he, um, and then somebody else called like, oh yeah, you should do, be able to do his eyebrows. Cause I don't know how we got to that, but um, somehow somebody, we said to him one time that he didn't really have eyebrows. And I was like putting on makeup with like one of those pencils. So everybody was at the dinner. And so everybody heard him say, okay, so if you make the cut in the two in the back, I, you can do my eyebrows. So at the first day of the meet in the morning, I finished and I, I made cuts. So the first thing I was thinking, I was like, oh, eyebrows, that was great. So I looked at him in the, on, the, on the wall and I did this to him. <laughs> and he was like, oh no. And then I had to like um, give an interview that the whole pool, everybody could hear it. And I, was, I saw him like, oh no, like turn around. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna share this with everybody here. So I told this story. And then, um, well, he had to, like, he had to let me do his eyebrows. So before the finals that day, I, I texted him, the saloon opens at four. Uh, I expect you to be there. And, uh, well, I just, I was nice. Uh, people put in a lot of suggestions, like make them pink or black or whatever. But I, I did, I, he actually looked better. <laughs> just trying to help him out, right? Just trying to help him out. Yes, I did. Wait, what color did they end up? No, like like dark blonde. 
Yeah, you can see it on my Instagram. It's uh, from the meet in April. The whole video is there. It's actually really funny. It's good to bring humor like that. I feel like, you know, there's some athletes who do a really good job of just keeping things lighthearted. And, you know, I feel like that's you talk about holding up the envelope and how to keep your brain fully clear and focused on, yeah. on racing. I feel like in some ways that's a way to block out all of the things that shouldn't be on the paper, you know? Yeah. It's just like, keep it the relationship with you and your coach and your team. And I honestly feel like, you know, maybe that's kind of how the, like a teammate environment comes in at, at Tennessee. Like, you know, when you're in college swimming, you get to look over at your team and have all these, you know, just people that you have inside jokes with and, you know, you can kind of like have this moment with them and it's, it's kind of about the team and not about you. And I, and I, sometimes I think that's hard in, international swimming um, i had to learn that yeah you're not as close sometimes i moved back home sometimes i was like because if you're in college swimming and you have like a bad day or you don't want to go train you're like look next to you and like okay well i do it for my team and if you when i moved back home i like decided okay i want to continue my career um but if if i had a bad day i was like okay so who am i going to do this for um Mm -hmm. i really had to uh learn that okay i'm just doing it for myself nobody else like well people care of course but it doesn't influence anybody else on how i perform or how i train today so that was uh i struggled with that in the beginning when i moved back home do you feel like you'll have the um team environment on the dutch team now where when you show up to meet especially like you know when you get to represent netherlands and you're actually like on that team um and not swimming for yourself individually do you feel like that environment exists grandma no it's uh, we are i mean of course we are happy for each other if we perform well but mm-hmm. if my teammates perform well and i don't it doesn't matter um it's not like we get a team score like, yeah. or mm-hmm. like if my teammate that does well and they get funding but the rest of the team does really bad and nobody else gets funding or something like it's yeah it's it's an individual sport. What about ISO? You've been on two different teams. How's that been? Uh, I loved the I loved the whole trip to Budapest. I had such a great time. I met so many nice people. Such a fun team. Um, such a professional work. Um, how do you say that? Like you can you had only just resting, eating, swimming, and fun. And I, th- I thought it was amazing. At first, I was like, oh, wow, six weeks. That's so long. Um, what am I going to do? I don't know anybody on the team. And But I had such a good time. What sorts of shenanigans are happening outside of the outside of the meet during ISL? Oh, uh, well, a lot. But I don't know any, like, I have don't have any specific example as of right now. Um, Damn. <laughs> so um, I think you were originally only going to stay at Budapest for a little bit for the first ISL. Is it just the, the team environment and you were swimming well that helped you stay a little longer? Yeah. The reason I wanted to move uh, or go train with my coach after three weeks at first was, um, well, I didn't really know what to expect. I still had to qualify for the, um, uh, I was already qualified for Tokyo, but I, the, we had our Olympic qualification tournament in December. And that will be, after that meet, the four swimmers for the relay would be decided for the freestyle relay. Wow. So 
that meet was important for me for just that 100 uh, freestyle. So after a week or two weeks, I think when I was there, um, I told my coach, I have such an amazing time here. It's really good training, um, fun people. And I know that relay is pretty, well, it's important to me, but it's it wasn't important enough um, for me to leave what I was uh, having mm -hmm. in Budapest. Um, and, and another thing was I was performing well over there. And it's like, mm -hmm. I don't even know if it's better to now go back to training without racing. I had the, mm -hmm. every weekend I could race one of some of the best swimmers in the world. Like where else would you get that opportunity? So at the trials, I ended up being fifth in the 103. So I'm the first alternate. Mm -hmm. But it's a, I mean, I'm, I'm okay. I'm completely okay with it because I made this decision. I got a lot back for it. And um, yeah. How does that work on the Dutch team? If you're the first alternate, do you swim prelims? Uh, not necessarily, no. Um, it depends on if they expect uh, the morning swimmers to be good enough to make the final. I think at Europeans, it's a lot different than at Worlds or at the Olympics. And um, they have the rule at the Olympics right now that if you are an alternate, a relay swimmer only, and you're an alternate for a specific relay, everybody has to swim. So you cannot just um, bring extra people without them swimming in something. But since, since I'm swimming the 100 backstroke uh, individually, that's not a problem for me. But mm -hmm. if somebody else would have gotten fifth that didn't have an individual event, then they probably wouldn't have brought them to the meet because they then had to swim in the morning and you might not make the final then. Yeah, that's the tricky part about that rule. I think it's I think it's a good rule, but um, it does put some pressure on the decision to take those swimmers or not. Yeah, I think it's a good rule as well because otherwise teams would just bring eight swimmers for one relay. And I mean, the, the Olympic Village is already very full. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's also a hard decision, of course. Yeah, back with ISL though. I mean, obviously, like you said, you were swimming well, set the world record in the fifty short course meter backstroke. Does anything stand out about that race looking back now? Um, yes, because uh, I swam it in the semifinal, and mm -hmm. in the in our the fourth match with London. Um, we were all, we already knew we made it to the semifinal. So uh, the coach told the team that we were going to play around a little bit with um, events. People could swim different events and stuff. And um, I always had the two and a backstroke before the 50 backstroke. And two mm -hmm. and a backstroke just takes out a lot of energy. So yeah. in the fourth competition, um, Mel uh, Marshall gave me off uh, the two and a back because I was like, I think I can break the world record. I want to give it a shot and go for it. But then um, like I felt so, I put so much pressure on myself because some other girl had to swim the two in the backstroke because I didn't swim it. Mm -hmm. And I already felt kind of bad about that because nobody in our team likes 200 that much. <laughs> um, so, uh, and it was, of course, like I, um, didn't swim the uh, 200 for the 50, so the 50 had to be really good, right? Like, really, really good. Yeah. So uh, I went like 26 four, uh, 
Yeah, twenty no twenty six three. I I don't remember exactly. Mm. At, at least it was a very bad race. Um, mm. I think I got, I don't even know. I, I got second, I think. Mm-hmm. And then five days later, so not much had changed. I did in the semifinal. I did the two hundred back, and it, it was uh, I went out too fast, so it was a painful race. And uh, so I went to swim down. It was just it was the semifinal, so it was like exciting, but it was also. Mm. Um, pretty relaxing in uh, where we were sitting. We were like just fooling around and stuff. And then I just went to swim the 50 back and then boom, then it happens. Um, it was hmm. like, because I was using the whole part and not just this part because I was not focused on oh breaking the world record or um, now it needs to happen. Or I was, I was just, okay, let's just race. Let's see what happens. And, wow. um, yeah, I think that's a, a fair. That was a very good lesson for me. How do you how do you think about that channeling that energy for future meets? Um, I I think uh, I'm more focused right now on the the process on what I uh, the task I need to perform instead of um, like I want to win or. But then next week at Europeans will be a very good test because I want to win uh, mm-hmm. or I want to perform well. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's in swimming. That's that's the game, you know. That's being good at that part is what makes the difference, I think. And um, I got a lot of chances to learn in that. I messed up many times. Sometimes it worked out well, and I noticed that more and more time. Um, it works out and then, okay. Oh yeah. It was pressure, but I, I handled it. And then that gives more confidence for the next time and, um, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I see it as a, as a good test next week. Yeah. Outside of, you know, the mental approach, you were, you know, 27, one at the qualification meet in the 50 back there's 26, 98, very close by. And obviously you want to, Use the whole brain, not focus too much on it. Yeah. But what other changes are you looking to do that might get you in that 26 club? Well, um, I've been focusing. We have doing. Uh, we have been doing many starts in pre- in training because mm-hmm. um, my start is, I think, pretty good, but it's not always consistent. So mm-hmm. um, I might hit a very good one sometimes, but then the next one wouldn't be amazing. Um, and those have been getting more consistently fast. Um, and for the rest is just, just race. Like, I mean, it's not like you can be like, oh yeah, yeah. 26. Uh, yeah. Like it's just, yeah, just of course uh, I would love to, to, to break it, but it's not something, uh, yeah, you can plan or anything. Hmm. Hey, you talked about, uh, 200 or i guess the the alternates uh overcrowding the village let's say just adding too many people to the olympic village but what do you think about 50s of stroke yes i mean i think <laughs> if you wanna, um reach like the thing with the olympics they say they want to keep it interesting for young people right that's mm-hmm. why they add like skateboarding and uh what is it bouldering and that mm-hmm. those kind of sports yeah so 
in my opinion, and I think a lot of people in the swimming community agree with me, it, it's a lot more exciting to watch a 50 of a stroke than to watch the 800 or the 1500 freestyle. Um, so yeah, I don't really understand the decision of the IOC that they decided to add those events instead of the 50s of strokes. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I don't think I gonna, uh, when I'm still swimming, those gonna be Olympic events. I don't think so. Yeah, nobody's cutting away to commercial break during uh, the 50s of stroke. No, exactly. So, yeah, yeah I think that's a, um, that's sad for the for the sport of swimming, especially for the people watching it. But do you find yeah. that affects um, you know, how people perceive the the 50s? I mean, in the U.S., it's forever. It's been, you know, like almost a lack it. of respect mm-hmm. for the for the 50s. I mean, uh, finally, the U.S. started selecting. Uh, the representatives on the world championship team from a trials event yeah. in, in the fifties of stroke, but it didn't used to be that way. Um, no, certainly not when I, I swam. 2019 was the first time, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know exactly the year, but what's, what's the process? Uh, for 2017 you? was the first time they did that. What's, what's right. your, what's, what's your process for, for doing that? Are you able to like, just, are you qualifying via your hundred backstroke? Uh, no, no, no. we have a cut in the 50 yeah. as well. For every tournament besides the Olympics, there's mm. just a, um, a cut. And I think in the past they would make the the Olympic events. They would make like 12th place of the last uh, or the world ranking or the European ranking, mm-hmm. and then they would make the 50 or the non-Olympic events the eighth spot. So it would be a little uh, more difficult to cut. Mm-hmm. But no, oh, yeah, we can qualify in 50s. Do you feel like the hundred back? Do you think about the hundred back as like the real event and the 50 as a play event or to you, are they on the same level? Um, well, yeah, you still have that a little bit because it's not Olympic. Mm-hmm. So if I think about my summer, uh, yeah, I'm going to swim hopefully uh, seven times on a backstroke at the Olympics and there's no 50. So yeah, then it's, um, it mm-hmm. is, but at, you can still become a world champion in a 50. So I don't see it as, less important just that one year out of four years it's a little lesser important i think mm-hmm. and you mentioned you know maybe not seeing the 50s in the olympics i mean you're you're 26 you're improving year over year still we have isl around do you see yourself going for another olympiad after this or it's still a kind of wait and see moment um i'm definitely gonna swim after tokyo uh-huh. but I'm not going to say promise like because <laughs> you don't know what happens you never know like I have a lot of fun in swimming right now um so I definitely want to do this for a longer time but yeah you just never know what happens maybe in a year I'm like I, uh, I don't like this anymore and I go do something else but I don't think so but I don't know hmm. All right I want to finish with just a few rapid fire questions. Okay. What's the hardest race in swimming? I think 4am. Olympic gold, world record, or ISL MVP? Olympic gold. Then world record, then ISL MVP. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, that that money would be nice. Um, (laughs) are, are Are nose clips cheating? nose clips i think they're stupid i don't know why people use them (laughs) 
No, I don't think so. No, if you want to use a no slip, you can. <laughs> well, no well you can't go on your back. You're doing freestyle back. Yeah. So you don't need one. <laughs> no, I, water doesn't come out of my nose. I don't. I, I figured out like later in my life that other people had water coming out of their nose. I don't know. I'm not doing anything special. I think, but that just doesn't come out. Not doing this. No, I can't. <laughs> no, I don't know. There are three strokes that you do on your front, but there's only one stroke that you do on your back. But for equality, don't you think there should be more strokes you do on your back? No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Who comes up with these questions? Brian does. <laughs> All right. What's the most southern thing that, about uh, Tennessee that you picked up that you loved while you were there? Oh God, I'm, I didn't really like very much of the southern food. To be honest, <laughs> I remember ordering an iced tea one time, and he asked me, you "Want sugar with that, ma'am?" And I was like, "Sugar? No, I don't want sugar with that." And then I just had cold ice or cold tea, and I was like, "In in Europe, iced tea is like a very nice drink with like." sparkling water and i don't know um no i i don't know it's not um everything deep fried is also not really my thing um maybe i could i can listen to country music there you go going to the football games i like that a lot yeah. i still don't really know what's going on but it was always fun to be in the stadium mm -hmm. all right are we gonna see a 56 this summer out of care tucson at 56 uh -huh. Let's start with 57 then i guess why why you got why how, why you got why can't you just uh, skip over 57 you need to set me <laughs> <laughs> yeah why not 55 um there you go why not no no no, no. that was exactly. not my response no, my boyfriend is laughing on the couch he's like <laughs> but um uh i want to start with 57 because I would like to set realistic goals and um, 57 would be, I would sign right now for that this summer, 57. Hmm. I like it. Well, we look forward to seeing it. Kira, thanks for hanging out with us. We look forward to seeing you at Europeans. Good luck. Go fast. Thank you. Smash it. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll check in again soon. Uh, maybe after the summer. Sounds good. Right Thank on. You. All right. Thanks everybody. That's it for this episode, and uh, we'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it. And be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at The Social Kick Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick. And you can find all of our content on our website at thesocialkick.com. <laughs>